Okay, so today's daf is Ein Chet in Psachim. We are two lines from the top, Ein Chet Amud Aleph. So maybe our Mishnah doesn't follow Rabbi Yossi. What's our Mishnah? Our Mishnah basically talks about the five cases in which they can bring a korban that's brought bitum ah. Uh, but they can't eat that korban. They can just bring the korban. And then it's said there that the only exception is Pesach, that uh, it can also be eaten in a state of Tum'ah because that's the, the, the mitzvah there is mainly about the eating. It's not mainly about just the offering. So it says, So it seems to not follow Rabbi Yossi. Like we said, that Rabbi, Rabbi Yossi, the, the question of means the tzitz of the Kohen Gadol. We know that if a korban becomes tamay, it could be completed because of the tzitz of the Kohen Gadol gives it a special... Uh, uh, you know, uh, pass that it's allowed to be completed in in a state of tumah, but that doesn't apply. That doesn't. That, f- the question is, does it apply to the part that is eaten? That also it's considered to be as if it were taor. Now, everyone's most authorities agree that that doesn't mean that the people could even the, according to Rabbi Yossi, who says a. Uh, According to Rabbi Eliezer, it says, that doesn't mean that they can actually eat the meat that's tamay. It just means that it's accepted as if it were tahor. Okay, Rabbi Yossi is saying it's not even, it's considered tamay. So if you bring the korban and, uh, and, the, and there's meat there and the meat became tamay, so the, the, the korban's meat is considered tamay. Now we're going to see what, what's the difference. Why is that important? So obviously Rabbi Yossi must be holding like Rabbi Yoshua, who said that you need both the meat and the blood of the korban to be intact in order for the korban to be good, like we learned yesterday. So, right? In other words, so, uh, so the thing is that, like we said yesterday, according to Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua said that you need that if the meat of the korban is totally lost or becomes tamei, so then the whole korban is invalid. You need both the blood of the korban to be good, to be there and present, and also the meat of the korban. If that, if the meat is completely missing or completely lost, completely destroyed, completely, uh, completely tamei before the blood is thrown, the korban is not valid at all. So therefore, it seems like Rabbi Yossi is agreeing with Rabbi Yoshua because that's why he's saying that it, that which means that the, the meat of the korban, we can't salvage it. If it became tamay, that's it. Then the korban is done with. Because if he held like Rabbi Eliezer, why would Rabbi Yossi say that the tzitz doesn't cover the, uh, the meat? It doesn't matter if it covers the meat or not because according to Rabbi Eliezer, even if the whole korban is tamay and the meat is tamay, as long as you can put the blood on the altar, it's good. So therefore, so the Gemara says, no, look, so, so, and that would mean that our Mishnah doesn't follow Rabbi Yossi because our Mishnah is saying that you could offer the korban, these korbanot of the community and they would be accepted even though it's going to be tamay and you're not going to be able to eat it. So it says, no, not necessarily. No, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Eliezer, no, it could be that Rabbi Yossi holds like, like Rabbi Eliezer. That as long as you have the blood of the korban, even if the meat of the korban is ruined, it's still good. So if that's true, then why even bother discussing whether the tzitz covers for the meat or not? In other words, if you're saying, why tell me, who cares if it's merat Either way, the korban is good. Meaning, even if you're going to say that, a, that because the kohen gadol, Where's this tzitz on his head? Therefore, this meat is as if it were tahor. What good does that do to me that, that it's as if it's tahor? I can't eat it anyway, right? And, and you're saying the korban is kosher even if it's tamay, so why even bother theorizing whether it's ta- what it's considered, right? So, you could ask the same exact question against Rabbi Eliezer, because Rabbi Eliezer says that you don't need the meat for a korban to be kosher. He said that even if there's no meat at all, the meat is completely tamay, completely ruined, completely lost, the korban is good. 
So then why do you have to mention that the tzitz covers for the meat? What do you need the tzitz to cover for the meat for? It doesn't matter. You don't need the meat for the korban to be kosher. And everybody agrees that nobody can eat that meat anyway if it's tameh. It's only about the acceptability of the korban. So why do you need the meat to be acceptable if the meat is not necessary? So, the only issue is, that's kamipalgi. They have an argument about a different theoretical point, which is, if the tzitz renders this meat to be considered as if it were tahor, even though it's not, so that has other halachic implications. One of the implications is that it can become pigul. Pigul only happens, so pigul is where the, where the person offering the korban has intention to complete the offering or to eat the meat at the wrong time or, or at the wrong place. There's also a type of pigul, but the main one is at the wrong time. And that pigul, the weird rule of pigul, is that pigul only uh, is a status of the korban, that now the, if you eat the korban, you're chayav karet. But that, that, that status only will fall on a korban if in every other way the korban was good. Meaning if everything about the korban was acceptable except the intention of eating it or finishing it at the wrong time, then it becomes pigul. But if there was already something wrong with it, then it wouldn't become pigul. Because pigul means a korban that's good in every way except the intention. Right? Yeah. So it would have to be taor. So also me'ilah. Me'ilah is that the korban, let's say a korban khatat, it's subject to me'ilah. It's not, you're not allowed to benefit it from it in any way. Um, as long as the, uh, you know, prior to the offering. But once the offering is done, now the meat is available to the Kohanim. So it doesn't have a rule of Meila anymore. Now here it happens to be that since the meat is going to be Tamei, they won't really be eating it. But if you say, If you say that in theory it's as if this meat is Tahor, so you can also say that it's also, it also loses its status of Meila, meaning it's not going to, if you benefit from that meat, you won't be committing Meila anymore. Now that it, it unpacks this, says Rabbi in other words, if you say that the tzitz does nothing for this meat, so it's just tamay meat. <coughs> so there are two implications of that. Number one, it can't also be pigul. Why not? Because pigul can only apply to a korban that is good in every other way. And this is not good because it's tamay. Right? So, so it won't apply. Me'ila won't apply because, uh, I'm sorry, if, if, it, if the tzitz doesn't cover for the korban, me'ila will apply because since that korban wasn't, since that meat could not really ever be eaten, right? It was never, it was tamay, so therefore it doesn't lose its me'ila status. It's still forbidden for use because it never became permitted for eating. Okay, whereas according to what says that the meat is covered by the tzitz. So that means that at least in a theoretical way, we view this meat as if it were tahor. So that means, number one, that it could be pigul also. You could have the additional violation of pigul on that. And if you eat it, you'll not only be eating tamay meat, but you'll also be eating pigul meat. And you won't be violating the rule of meila because since the korban was executed properly... And the meat was considered to be, at least for theore- in a theoretical way, considered to be tahor. So therefore, we would say that it also loses its milah status. That's the thing, that's the difference between ko- Kodashim Kalim and Kodshe Kodashim. Kodshe Kodashim, from the time that they're consecrated until the blood is thrown, they are completely belong to Hashem. And then once you complete the blood service, the meat belongs to the people who are going to eat it. So it's not subject to milah anymore. Okay, that's the... That's one of the unique things. So here, it wouldn't be true if meaning if we're going to say that the meat is tamay, so therefore it never became permitted for eating, so therefore it's still going to be subject to meila. 
Okay, so that, that's the machloket here. That's what they're saying. So saying nobody is saying, nobody's getting into the issue here of whether the meat is necessary for the korban to be fulfilled or not. They're just arguing about what, is the, what are the implications for that meat in terms of other things. Now it says, Matkiv la Rav Mari, Rav Mari asnei, Nami Rabbi Yossi sabak Rabbi Eliezer, even if Rabbi Yossi holds like Rabbi Eliezer that you don't need the meat for a korban to be accepted, even if the meat became completely tamay or lost, the korban could be good. So bishlam azvachim ikadap, you could say that by the korban, uh, by an animal korban, because the blood goes on the altar, and omer nami ikakomets. And when it comes to the korban omer, you put the handful of barley on the altar, so that's also something good putting on the altar. Right? And also, lechem apanim nami ikabazichim. Same is true for the lechem apanim, that the, the showbread that is switched every Shabbat, they put the spoons of the livona, they put that, the bazichin, the spoons, on the, uh, on the altar. So that's also burnt on the mizbeach outside. So there's something that goes on the mizbeach. What are you going to do with the shteya lechem of Shavuot? Shteya lechem of Shavuot, the only mitzvah is eating it. That's the only mitzvah. So how could you say that it's, that, I mean, nothing is going to go on the altar from the shteya lechem. So if it's going, so you're going to do this, the service of the Shteh Lechem with, the, with Lechem Tamei. Nobody can eat the Lechem. So what mitzvah did you do with it? You're just holding it. It's, it's nothing. Okay, so it's not like anything goes on the altar from that. So what's going to happen there? And if you're going to say it's for the, the animal offerings, which are the Kivsei Atzeret, there are also animal offerings that accompany that Shteh Lechem, right? That's what it said in the Mishnah already. It says in the Mishnah that there are five cases where we override Tum'ah for communal korbanot. And one of them is the Lechem, uh, uh, the Shteh Lechem, the, uh, the two loaves of Shavuot, and one of them is the korbanotika with the, the uh, bread of Shavuot. Those are two different things. So what you're telling me that in actuality there's nothing from the bread of, the, uh, of, the, of Shavuot that's really valid at all because nothing is going to uh, make it to the Mizbech. So what is there really, what mitzvah is there at all there to, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to permit? All it is is eating. And you're saying that it's not considered that according to Rabbi Yossi, en natzitz achilot, Meaning that it's not even, everyone might agree that you can't actually eat it, but the point is, if you're saying that the tzitz doesn't even make it considered edible in theory, so then we can't consider it acceptable because there's no other mitzvah there. So, so what is he going to do with that? So the Ela Kasavarabiyosi Tum'ah Hutrabitzibur. That's a different story. That is the communal korban. A communal korban, the, the Tum'ah, it doesn't require the tzitz to permit it. It's true that the tzitz only gives special qualification to the parts of korbanot that go on the altar that became tamay. And it doesn't give special qualification to edible parts of the korban to be considered tahor. Even though, again, they're not really considered tahor because you can't eat them, but they can't even be considered in theory to be tahor for the purpose of it being acceptable, right? But in the case of a communal korban, we have a different rule. The rule is that we don't even care about tumah with regard to these communal korbanot. So even though, again, the kohanim will not eat these two loaves of Shavuot, we don't even need the tzitz to consider them tahor. Anything that the community is giving is considered acceptable if everyone is tamay. It's hutrabitzibor, it's allowed. Okay? That's the... If, the, if, the, uh, if it becomes tamay, it's still accepted. We override tum'ah for the sake of communal uh, offerings. And we ignore the fact that it became tamay. And it's still going to be acceptable even though they're not allowed to actually eat it. It'll still be acceptable. That's what Rabbi Yossi will say. And that's why you don't need the idea that the tzitz, you don't need the tzitz. Tzitz is only for non-communal korbanot to make them, uh, to make them acceptable on the altar in a case where something goes wrong. But for communal ones, you don't need anything.
automatically it's okay. Is that true? Vatanya, echad ze vechad ze mazin alav kol shiva mikol chataot shayu sham de Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi omer, ein mazin alav el shlishi shvi bilvad. We have a rule about the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol. When the Kohen Gadol comes um, to prepare for Yom Kippur, or the Kohen who is burning the para aduma, these are two cases where we have a rule that a per, that a Kohen has to spend seven days in quarantine, basically, right? So the so right, so the Kohen Gadol has to spend seven days separate from everything before he does the Avodah Yom Kippur. He stays in the special lishka, special chamber in the Beit Hamikdash for seven days, and uh, and also a Kohen Gadol who's going to or a Kohen who's going to be preparing the Para Aduma also has this rule that he has to separate for seven days before he does the Avodah. It's talked about in, in Masachet Parah, the details of that. Now, the, the rule is that they put on him, according to Rabbi Meir, every day that he's in the quarantine. What? What's wrong? It's in Seder Taharot. Yeah. So if you, if you, um, if you uh, every, every day of that time, they would put... Um, they would put para uh, aduma uh, ashes on the kohen gadol out of the concern that maybe this is a day that he was. In other words, maybe he touched. It's it's an you know they're going to an extreme of uh, of um, cautious. Oh yeah, over cautious, uh, over stringent. Say oh maybe he came into contact with a dead body and he doesn't know. And maybe it was maybe it was this is the third day. Maybe today is the third day. Maybe today's the seventh. You know maybe today's the third day and so on. So they weren't so every single day. Rashi says except the fourth day. The fourth day is the only day that they wouldn't have because by the time he's already in there for three days in the quarantine, so he doesn't have to really worry that the fourth day only that maybe the third day since he came into quarantine. It could be the third day since he had contact with Tum'ah, so he would need the, uh, he would need the uh, para aduma. And then the fourth... Yeah, he had a special apartment in there. Lishka, yeah. So then, and then he had, then he had, the, then the fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. So of the, of the days that he was in the quarantine, the first three and the last three, according to Rashid, the fourth day he didn't, even though it says seven days, Rashid says not about, the, know about the fourth day. But either way, the point is that the reason was because maybe, right, maybe... Three days before he had contact with Tum'ah, maybe a day before he had contact with Tum'ah, and this is the third day, right? And then, and then maybe this is the seventh day, you know, so... And what's the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh then? Because in order to do Paraduma, you need third day and seventh day. So if the first day I came was really third day since I had Tum'ah, I had contact with Tum'ah, so I have to put it, maybe it's the third day. Maybe the second day I'm in the quarantine was really the third day. Maybe the four, third day I'm in quarantine was really the third day. Now it's not possible that it would be the third day anymore because I've already been in quarantine for three days. Now I have to do seventh day, right? So if the first day I was in quarantine was actually day three, so that means day five is day seven, or day six is day seven, or day seven is day seven. So that's what they would do just to make sure that he was pure in these two cases, according to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi says, no, just do it the third and seventh day that he's in the quarantine. You don't have to go so uh, extreme. And uh, it does. there's no rule that you have to become to immediately after becoming to Mehmet. You could just do it a third and a seventh day. So just do it a third and seventh day, and you're going to be okay. But what do you see from that? You see from that, though, that you see that if communal service doesn't require purity at all, we just put aside the laws of purity. So then, why is he requiring at all that that the Kohen Gadol has to go through this process. We don't even know that the Kohen Gadol is Tamei. And anyway, even if you were Tamei, uh, you're saying that Rabbi Yossi is of the opinion that, um, that, uh, uh, that you know, that Tum'ah is not a factor in communal korbanot at all. 
So then why would he need to do this? The conclusion is that our Mishnah is not following Rabbi Yossi because because Rabbi Yossi does hold that Tum'az a concern in communal korbanot and only things that the Tzitz will cover for are the things that go on the Mizbeach. And since the Shtei Alechem of Shavuot, nothing goes on the Mizbeach. It's only the edible part. Therefore, he's going to say that that would not be uh, uh, that service would not be accepted if it were done bitum'ah, and it, would, it wouldn't work. Well, um, we, well, we said it is, right? In the, last the Mishnah thing. says that. It's saying that Rabbi Yossi would not... Oh, our matnitin de la Rabbi Yossi means our Mishnah would not follow Rabbi Yossi. Now, Amalei Rav Baba Abaye. We're going back to what we said yesterday, that Rabbi Yossi seems to agree with both sides of the dispute that are in contradiction to each other. Yeah. Right? So it says, Detanya, Amar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Eliezer Bezvachim, Rabbi Yossi Bezvachim. He said, I see the position of Rabbi Eliezer regarding animal korbanot and the words of Rabbi Yoshua with regard to animal korbanot. And I see the reasoning of Rabbi Eliezer with minachot, with flower offerings, and also Rabbi Yoshua. What do I mean the, the words of Rabbi Eliezer that he said if there, that you can bring the blood of the offering even if the meat was ruined? Right? Right? That I, I, I see Rabbi Yoshua's point that if you don't have both the flesh and the blood, it's no good. That's contradictory, obviously, because he just said that he saw both views. That I agree with both Rabbi Eliezer, who says that you can, as long as you put something on the altar, you're okay, even though there's no shirayim, there's no leftovers. And I also see what Rabbi Yoshua is saying, that if you don't have both, you can't have an offering. So which one is it? Maybe right. he's just saying, I see their logic. Well, before, before we, answer, we don't have to guess the answer. Let's see what they give the answer. They're going to give an answer. Don't worry. They're not just going to leave it. I know. Yeah, right. So, but it, it's, it, he usually, I don't need Rabbi Yossi to tell me that both rabbis make sense. Right. I, you know, okay, then you could say that. Better. He should say that every single time. <laughs> every time there's a machlok. And I see what you're saying and I also see what you're saying. Right. What is he adding to it, right? He has to be something, saying something more specific than that because we know they make sense, right? We, we're assuming that, right? That, right. So there must be some reason. So, Amalei, Mistabra Kamar, right? What he said was this. But when he was talking about... The, what he, what's going on here is that when he was learning the halachot of Zvachim, he was talking about the laws of Korbanot, he said, He said, you know, just like they argue about this issue with Korbanot, they also argue about flower offerings. And Kaibim Nachot, when he was learning about flower offerings, he said, In other words, all he was saying was, when he was learning one subject, he said, you know, just like they have this argument in this subject, the argument is just as valid with regard to the other subject. That's all. He wasn't saying any opinion about the validity of the views. He was just saying it applied to both cases. Why is that adding? What? It's not adding anything. Still not adding. Right. It was still not adding anything, but just saying that when he was learning the area of the Korbanot, don't think it's only in this area that he said that they have this machloket. So Amar said to him, That makes sense that when he's learning about the animal Korbanot, he says, just like they argue here, they also argue with Menachot. Why? Because Because the main sukim that are the source of this whole argument about whether you need blood and you need flesh and everything are about the animal Korbanot. So it makes sense that's the main text and he would say this is the main subject where they argue and they also argue on flower offerings but but if it, why would when he's discussing the issue of flower offerings say oh just like here with the flower offerings they argue they also argue with by the korbanot why would he say that the main argument 
The main issue is about animal korbanot. So why would he say when he's learning the flower korbanot, oh, you know, just like they argue here, they also argue in the animal korbanot. What do you mean just like? The main source is the animal korbanot. That's where all the psukim are. It doesn't make sense. Here's another interpretation. Maybe what he meant was, I, I see Rabbi Eliezer's reasoning when the meat became tamay or when the shirayim became tamay because they still exist. They are extant. They still exist, right? So there, there I see Rabbi Eliezer's point that even though they're invalidated by becoming Tamei, at least they're still there so you can finish the, the sacrifice, it'll be good. But when it comes to Avud Visaruf, that the meat was totally destroyed or lost, there I see Rabbi Yoshua's point that if it's totally missing, you can't complete the sacrifice. Right? That's, that's, that's the, another interpretation. But, So what is the only reason why the Nitma, the case of the impure meat or the impure leftover flour, why would there be a reason to be more lenient about that? It's only because because the tzitz covers for it. It's at least here, so the tzitz covers for it. In other words, you're basically saying, if you say, if the meat is totally lost or, de- or destroyed, then I agree with Rabbi Yoshua. You're really basically agreeing with Rabbi Yoshua that you need the meat to be there. Right? You're not agreeing with Rabbi Eliezer. You're agreeing with Rabbi Yeshua that you need the meat to be there. You're just saying that in the case where it only became Tamei, I'll make an exception. Why would you make an exception? Only because you're saying the tzitz will cover for it. Because otherwise, it being Tamei or being lost is the same thing. Right? So therefore it says, But we learned, We already said that Rabbi Yossi does not say that the tzitz covers for the meat. So it can't be that he's making a distinction between where the meat became Tamei and where the meat became lost because it's the same thing. It's not valid anymore. It's as if the meat is gone, as far as we're concerned. So if he's going to say the korban is good, he's going to have to agree with Rabbi Yoshua. I'm sorry, with Rabbi Eliezer, that you don't need the meat to be there, right? If he's going to say that the meat is no good. Now, okay, so fine. He said, no, what, I, what he meant was that I agree with Rabbi Eliezer with communal korbanot. That in the communal korbanot, if the, uh, if the meat gets lost, if the flour gets lost, if it becomes tamay, whatever... The korban is accepted. But when it comes to, Rabbi, when it comes to uh, a personal korban, I agree with Rabbi Yoshua that you need both. Same answer we gave yesterday. Uh, well, All yeah, me. about Rabbi Yoshua himself. About Rabbi Yoshua himself. Because I was saying about Rabbi Yoshua himself that he, he would accept it in that, in that case, right? Yeah, so that's right. So now, he says, Maitam, what's the reason? Um, so wh- why would you have that? That What's the only reason to be lenient about communal korban then? Only because you're saying that tum'ah is not a factor in community in communal offerings. That's the only reason. Because we already know that Rabbi Yossi says that the tzitz does not help you with the meat. It doesn't make the meat good. Right? And it doesn't make the flour good. And so the only reason why a communal korban would be more lenient would be if you had the, not, the, not the concept of tum'ah dechuya betzibur, which means you still need the tzitz to help, but that you don't need the tzitz to help because we're saying that that it's, per, it's totally permitted. That would be the only reason. But we already learned that what? We already saw that Rabbi Yossi requires the Kohen Gadol to go through the Para Aduma ritual before he does the, uh, before he does the Avodah. So clearly he doesn't think that we don't, we just ignore Tum'ah in the community. We don't. And moreover, if we're talking about communal Korban Rabbi Eliezer Machshir, below Rabbi Yoshua, are you telling me that only Rabbi Eliezer agrees that a communal Korban where the meat became Tamei is still valid and not Rabbi Yoshua, like we said yesterday. We said that when it comes to communal korban, even Rabbi Yoshua agrees that when it comes to a communal korban, we're going to be more lenient. So what is Rabbi, so we're stuck. Like, what is Rabbi Yossi saying? He can't be saying that he, uh, 
that he agrees that he's making a distinction between where it's tamay and when it's tahor. We can't say that he's say, making a distinction between where it's communal and where it's non-communal, right? That's not going to work. So what was he saying when he said, I see the position of Rabbi Eliezer and I see the position of Rabbi Yoshua? In what cases was he talking? What was he referring to? So therefore it says, he said, one? right. Communal or... In, forgetting about communal and non-communal because he's saying there's no... The only reason why you would distinguish between communal and non-communal is if you believe tumat, but he doesn't say that. So he's saying now. So he's saying what he must have meant that um, that I agree with Rabbi Eliezer lechatchila, meaning ideally. I'm sorry, Rabbi Yeshua lechatchila. That yeah. ideally you should have both. But b'diavad, if you didn't have, it would be okay, right? But so right, right. So Rabbi Eliezer, really, you should have both. But uh, if 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 you uh, if you lost the meat, so b'diavad, I'll hold like Rabbi Eliezer, right? That that's what he said. So v'divrei Yeshua lechatchila. Yeah, right? So, um, so uh, that's what he said. El ro'eni divrei Rabbi Eliezer b'diavad, Rabbi Yosho lechatechila. Diavad, afil Rabbi Yosho, nami modehu. But we, all, we also learned before that dekatane modeh Rabbi Yosho, she'im zarak urtza. Right? We already said before that according to Rabbi Yosho, even Rabbi Yosho agrees that b'diavad it's okay. So that wouldn't be really disagreeing with Rabbi Yosho because even Rabbi Yosho said that if they threw the blood and the meat was already tamay and was, was lost, that it would be acceptable. So even Rabbi Yoshua is only speaking lechatchila in his argument with Rabbi Eliezer. That's true, says the Gemara. That is benitma, right? Kikatani modeh Rabbi Yoshua. Right, so it says ha bitumah ha beavud v'saruf. Kikatani modeh Rabbi Yoshua shim zarakurutza benitma, aval beavud v'saruf lo. Right, so what he says is that even Rabbi Yoshua does agree that if it became tamei b'diavad, if they then threw the blood, it would be acceptable. What what uh, Rabbi Yosi meant? Kikama Rabbi Yosi Rabbi He was saying when it's totally lost. In other words, Rabbi Yoshua, what it's saying is that he says that if the meat becomes lost or it becomes burnt, then even b'diavad, if they put through the blood on the altar, it wouldn't be acceptable. If it became, t- if any of the cases, if it, if the meat became tamei or was lost or was burnt, they shouldn't complete the service. But if they did, then it depends. If it was tamei, Rabbi Yoshua would say, okay, b'diavad, it's okay. If it was actually lost or destroyed, he would say it's not okay. Rabbi Eliezer would say in all of those cases, it's okay. In all those cases, even if the meat was destroyed, lost, tamay, it doesn't matter, it will be acceptable. Rabbi Yossi is saying, when it, I, Rabbi Yossi is saying that b'diavad, um, when it comes to b'diavad, uh, uh, yes, I agree, they shouldn't throw the blood, right? And they shouldn't throw the blood, not like Rabbi Eliezer. They shouldn't throw the blood if, those, if it happens, that it became tamay or it became uh, lost. But b'diavad, even if it was lost... I'm saying that I think that it would be okay. In other words, so that's an interesting position because nobody has that position because Rabbi Eliezer says that if the meat gets lost, destroyed, or becomes tamay, even the chatchila, they can finish the service and it's accepted. Rabbi Yoshua said, if it gets lost or tamay or anything like that, so the chatchila, they shouldn't do it. But if they did it already, then if the meat is still there, but just tamay will be okay. But in the other cases, it will not be okay. And Rabbi, Yos- and, and Rabbi uh, Yossi is saying that b'diavad, even if the meat or the uh, is lost, in other words, he's saying that I hold that really you shouldn't throw the blood. So in that, I agree with Rabbi Yoshua that you shouldn't throw the blood if the meat was tamei or became lost or was be- became burnt. You shouldn't throw the blood. But I go even further than Rabbi Yoshua and say that if they did throw the blood, 
it will always be acceptable, like what Rabbi Eliezer says. That will always be acceptable, B'diavad. So he's holding L'Chathchila, like Rabbi Yoshua, that you shouldn't throw the blood. But B'diavad is holding like Rabbi Eliezer. So that's basically the conclusion. The conclusion is that he's saying the two extremes. He's saying L'Chathchila, I agree with Rabbi Yoshua, you shouldn't throw the blood, even though the Korban's going to go to waste. B'diavad, no matter what the circumstance, not just in the circumstance that Rabbi Yoshua agrees, where the meat is tamay, but even in the circumstance where he disagrees, where it's lost or burnt, I'm going to say that you can, uh, you can still, B'diavad, it'll be okay. Right now, the Mishnah says. Well, now we're continuing. We didn't start with this. He's talking about Yachid or. Uh, they 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 said forget about the distinction. They, they didn't distinction. Yeah. So now the Mishnah says Nitma basav chelif kayam enos raketada. If you have the meat became uh, tamei, but the meat but the the uh, fats that go on the altar are still around. So then enos raketada. This is obviously going like Rabbi Yoshua. Name of chelif in English. Fat. But that's regular. Chelev is a different type of fat. It's a particular type of fat. It's the fat that goes on the altar. It's called shuman, the kosher one. Yeah. So it says, If the chelev became tamay, in other words, the fats that go on the altar became tamay, but the meat is around, so you can throw the blood. It's okay. But in other kovanot, it's not that way. In other words, when it comes to the Korban Pesach, the main thing is eating the Korban Pesach. So as long as the meat is around, you can throw the blood. If the meat gets, becomes Tamei, and, the, and even if the Chelev is around, you don't throw the blood. However, in other Korbanot, it's the opposite. In other Korbanot, the eating is not the main mitzvah. So therefore, as long as the Chelev is there, as long as the fats of the Korban have not become Tamei, you could still throw the blood and put the Chelev up on the altar. That's the, um, that, that's the Mishnah. So, Amarav Gidal Amarav, Im If they did throw the blood in such a case, Meaning that they, because it's saying, it's saying, right? It's saying you shouldn't throw the blood, meaning of the Korban Pesach. But if you did, it'll be accepted, meaning even though the, even though the meat was tamay, even though you're not going to be able to eat it. In other words, if you have a Korban Pesach, that the, 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 the meat became tamay, they really shouldn't throw the blood. But he's saying if they did, it'll be okay. You'll, you'll fulfill the mitzvah of offering the Korban. Obviously, you can't eat the Korban because tamay. But the idea is that you won't have to bring Pesach Sheni. Now it says, What about the eating? The eating doesn't, is not me'akev. It doesn't hold you back. It doesn't interfere with the mitzvah. Right? Yeah. Right, so it says, well, that's the question. Is, doesn't it say each person has to eat it? It says, mitzvah, that's the best way. But, you fulfill the mitzvah. Really, it doesn't hold it back. The word mechsat means, we learn that the Pesach can only be slaughtered for those who are registered for it, right? Maybe you'll say that if I slaughtered it for people that didn't register, I violated a mitzvah, but it's still kasher. It says that only a person according to his eating can sign up can have this uh, you know can be part of this Korban Pesach it's telling you that it's Me'akev it's absolutely indispensable and just and, and eaters and registered people are the same in other words it has to be slaughtered for people who can eat it and if it's Tamei then by definition it can't be it cannot be for people to eat it there's nobody who can eat it actually so it will be uh, it will not be able to be eaten we're, we're talking about a case obviously where the whole community is not Tamei only this individual Right, because if, if the whole community is tamay, then we, we can even eat it. But anything goes, right? But we're talking not that way. So in this case, if the meat became tamay in the middle of the service, how can you offer the uh, korban when you know that it's not going to be able to be eaten? You see, you're not allowed to even offer the korban for somebody who didn't register, and definitely not for somebody who can't eat it. And this is the ultimate example of somebody who can't eat it because the korban became tamay before he finished. So therefore, it, it's impossible. So it's, he says, he says, El Rab Damar. Ke Rabbi Natan. Rav is holding like Rabbi Natan. Damar Achilap Sachim Lama Akva. 
Because, because Rabbi Natan said, e- actually eating the Korban Pesach is not me'akev. It doesn't hold you back from getting credit for the mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rabbi Natan. Which Rabbi Natan is it? Ilema ha Rabbi Natan. If you're going to say it's this Rabbi Natan, it says in the bright Rabbi Natan, Omer, Minayin, Shekol, Yisrael, Gilsen, Pesach, Echad. Rabbi Natan said that really the entire Jewish people could fulfill the mitzvah with one Korban Pesach. Talmud Lomar, V'shachatu oto kol kala dat Yisrael bin Arbaim. It says the whole community bring one Korban. V'chit kol achal shochetin. V'alo en shochet el echad. Each in individual brings a korban. What, what do you mean everybody? Even though not everybody would be able to eat from that Pesach, obviously there's not enough in one korban, but it could be fulfilled for everyone. So that shows you that you don't have to actually be able to eat it. Okay? But that's different because over there the korban could be eaten by somebody. You, that doesn't mean that achila is not necessary. It means that you don't have to eat it. Somebody else could eat it. In other words, as long as somebody can eat it, it's good. But here, if it became tamay, nobody can eat it. So how could you say that? Uh, how could you say it's good? Elaha Rabbi Natan. This is the Rabbi Natan we're talking about. Detanya nimnu alav chavra chad bechazuv nimnu alav chavra acheret. If one group registered and then another group registered, rishonim sheish lem kazayit uchlin upturim lasot pesach sheni. Rishonim sheish lem kazayit enochiv raivin lasot pesach sheni. In other words, you had a group that was on a korban pesach and another group signed up for the same korban pesach. So now it's doubled up and there's not enough for everybody to go around. So the first group that there's enough for them, they'll they'll fulfill the mitzvah. The second group that there wasn't a kazayit for them, they're not to do Pesach Sheni, too bad for them. But Rabbi Natan Omer, Elo Ve'elu. by giving money or just by saying? You could just say it, but they're going to charge you money. You think these Jewish people are going to give you yeah. something for free? Imagine somebody... Yeah, you, 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 you could. You, you, could. you could give it for free, but I doubt that... I assume that they usually paid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Rabbi Natan Omer, Elo Ve'elu Pturim, unless you're going to like your, bab, you know, your Baba's house, he, yeah. he, he didn't charge you. Probably but didn't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah but you you could have you could have other people. Yeah. Yeah, so Rabbi Natan Omer, Elo Elo Pturimi Lasotach Sheni, Shekvan Nizrak Adam. Rabbi Natan says, as long as you're signed up for a Korban Pesach, even if you were number 20 on the list and there was only enough for uh, 19 people, you still will get the mitzvah. You don't have to bring Pesach Sheni, very nice, but still that doesn't. It, so that shows you that even though there is no eating possible for you, still full of mitzvah. But there's still a problem, which is the Akatit Dilma Shani Atam, Dim Mashkehane Chazelahu. Because even there, somebody can eat it. So if someone with the drift number 15 dropped out or got sick or something, then now number 19 can have it. Right? So, so it doesn't, it's not that there's no Achilat Pesach. It's just not your Achilat Pesach. So now it says, Imken litnei ho'il u'im limashech. But if that's true, then why did Rabbi Natan word it that way? He said the reason why is because Shekvan Nizrak Adam, that the blood was already thrown. He didn't say because other people could eat it and if somebody withdraws, I'll get to eat it. He didn't say that. So my Shekvan Nizrak Adam, why does he say the reason is because the blood was thrown? All that we care about is the throwing of the blood of even though you were signed up for a korban that there was no chance you were going to get to eat it doesn't matter as long as it's eaten by as long as it the blood reaches the altar and you were signed up for it that's it right. we don't care so therefore here too if the meat became tamay in the middle of the service and they went ahead and they finished the service you get the credit for it so why did Rav have to go to such an extent to say that our Mishnah is following Rabbi Natan that, you, that the, even though the Korban became Tamei you could finish the blood service and still get credit why doesn't he just say like the rabbis and just read the Mishnah that it means that if the meat became Tamei it says because it's not valid it, you don't throw the blood because the Korban Pesach won't be valid so it says ah no Rav Matnitin Kashite 
Rav had a problem with the Mishnah, which if you read carefully, you see what it is. It's a weird language. What does the language say? Don't throw the blood. What do you mean don't throw the blood? Just say it's pasul. If the meat became tamay, it's pasul. What do you mean don't throw the blood? Don't throw the blood sounds like good advice. Right? So it's saying, But what it means is that you can't, that don't throw the blood since the meat became tameh, but if you did it, it's good. Right? That's what, right. So that's why he picked Rabbi Natan as the author, not the Chachamim, because Chachamim would say it's not good if it became tameh in the middle. It's not kosher at all. You don't get credit. But if that's true, why does, what does Rabbi Natan do with the Pasuk that says, that a person has to be able to eat it? Says ah no because the bainan gavra the chazel achila it means that it has to be a person who could eat it. In other words, if the person became tamei before the service was completed, he won't get credit for it because he became tamei. If the meat became tamei before the service was completed, then he would get credit for it if they throw the blood. Okay, but if he became tamei since he's not capable of eating a korban because he's tamei, even Rabbi Natan will agree he won't get credit for that. Mantan Rabban, who's the author of the following statement of the rabbis? Shechatol ochlav. If they slaughtered it for those who were going to eat it, damo But then they threw the blood for some other group that was not registered. That the pesach will be good and um, and and a person who uh, will, will fulfill their mitzvah. Now, normally, it's the zrikat adam that defines the korban. It's the moment of the throwing of the blood that defines the, 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 the korban's identity and, and kashrut. So they're saying, it's strange, because it's saying you threw the blood for the wrong people, and yet it's saying it's kasher, which is unusual. But they, they say, hey, this one Goldstein, boom. Right, that, they said the wrong people. For the zrikah, for the zrikah, yeah. So now it says, kiman, neyma, rabbi natani. Are you saying that this is Rabbi Natan and not the rabbis? Because it's saying that even though it was slaughtered, because the assumption is that since they threw the blood for somebody who wasn't registered, it's not actually going to be able to be eaten now. And yet it's still saying it's good. So that would be Rabbi Natan's opinion. It says, no, not necessarily. The rule that is unique about Korban Pesach is that the moment of truth for Korban Pesach is not the Zrika, it is the Shechita. And therefore... At the moment of the Shechita was for the right people. So even though at the time when they threw the blood, they thought about the wrong people, instead of the Rubensteins, instead of the Goldsteins, it doesn't matter because the Zrika is not important by the Korban Pesach. Now, what about the following statement of the rabbis? This guy really has fluctuating health, you know. <clears throat> at the moment, at the moment that they were doing the Shechita Korban Pesach, he felt sick, meaning he wouldn't be able to eat anything. But then at the moment of Zrika, all of a sudden he felt good again. Okay. But what happens then, right? <coughs> or Khalim Bishat Shechita, or he was feeling good at the time of the Shechita, and Khalim Bishat Zrika, and he felt sick at the time of the Zrika. says he has to be healthy from beginning to end. Otherwise, don't, uh, don't do it. Now, Keman, who's the author of this? This seems like the rabbis, not Rabbi Natan, because the rabbis are saying he has to be able to eat it. Otherwise, it's not worth the time. Because even Rabbi Natan agrees that the person has to be able to eat. It has to be kasher uh, to eat it. He has to, even if the meat became ruined, even he says the person has to be capable of eating korban. Otherwise, it will not, um, it will not be good. Now, one more uh, shot here, right? It says that if they slaughtered the korban in impurity, and then the owners became tamei at the moment of the in between the the, the shechita and the zrika, they became tamei. All of them. Yeah, everyone. The own, yeah, the owners. They all became tamei somehow. Somebody died. They were in the house. Boom. So that boom, they all became tamei. So what happens? 
So it says there, finish the service betara, but the meat cannot be eaten now because the people are tamay, so they won't be able to eat it, but finish the service. So okay, who is that? Who would have been the author? That came on. Amor Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar should say probably, because the Amorah. Rabbi Machloket Shnuya. It's a Machloket for Rabbi Natani. This is Rabbi Natan, because Rabbi Natan is the one who says that even though the Balim are tamay, the korban could still be good, even though they're not going to be able to eat it. The korban should, could still be good. So he's not agreeing with what it said before that Rabbi Natan agrees if the people are tamei that it's no good. He's saying no, even if the people are, even even if the reason why they can't eat it is because they are tamei, it's still okay as long as the korban was offered and was completed, and and you know even though the people became tamei, it would be okay. That's what Rabbi, but the chachamim would say no, since the people cannot eat it, it won't be good. It's now, the, but goes as shalomim if everyone becomes tamei. Not on the erev. I mean. But no, 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 we can eat it. The point is, okay. It was no, it was offered as a pesach. It'll be possible. But there's no one to eat it, huh? Right, but they became tamei after the shechita, so it was already, it was already in They can't change the status in the middle. They oh. can't do that. Yeah. So now, Rabbi Yochanan says no. Even the rabbis would agree with this. See, this must be talking about the case of the tzibur is tamei. The entire tzibur became tamei after the shechita. Unbelievable. You know how could that happen? But somehow, yeah. yeah okay. Doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, everyone became tamei in the moment of the shechita. In theory, right? Everyone became tamei, and that's why it says they could finish the service, but they won't be able to eat it. Right? They won't be able to eat it. Now, but if that's true, but but if that's true, then the whole thing should be able to be eaten in a bitumah because we know that when the entire community is tamay, everyone can eat it. Ah, so it won't work. So what are we going to say? So it says, no, it's different because because maybe next time they won't become tamay until after the zrikat adam. And then it's a problem. They'll say, last year, we were tamay v'achalnu, and we ate it. Hashta nami nechol. Velo yaday deshtakat giz deregdam balim tmeim avu. Hashta balim torim avu. The problem is this. There's a difference. If the Pesach is brought when the people are already all tamay, then it can be eaten bitum'ah because it was brought bitum'ah. But if when it was finished, if after the Zrikat Adam, the entire community became tamay after the Zrikat Adam of Korban Pesach, now they can't do that because the Korban Pesach was brought bitara. It wasn't brought bitum'ah. And they won't be able to eat it now. They'll get credit actually for it because at the moment that it was brought, they were tahor, but they won't be able to eat it now. Okay, that's the rule. So therefore, he says, what will happen here? Since they became tamay right in between shchitan zrika, they're going to be confused. Technically speaking, it's considered to have been brought in, brought bitum'ah and they would be able to eat it. But they'll get confused and think that, oh, we were allowed to eat it last time. So even if we became tamay after the zrika, we should be allowed to eat it. And the answer is no. In that case, they can't eat it. And therefore, they'll get confused. So therefore, they said, don't allow them to, uh, uh, to, uh, to eat the Korban in that case. Now just to read the next line because there's one more, uh, uh, there's one more explanation. Alternatively, it wasn't that Rav was saying like Rabbi Natan, he was saying like Rabbi Yoshua, as long as there's one part that is still available, whether the Chelev or the Basar, it's okay, according to Rabbi Yoshua, you can still throw the blood. But Nazir vos Pesach, a Nazir, and the one who brings the Pesach, Nitma Chelev Basar Kayam, Zoreket Adam, Nitma Basar Vechelev Kayam, and Zoreket Adam, Vim Zarak Urza. So same thing, that uh, the only exception to the rule is that a Korban Pesach, where if the meat became Tamei, even though the Chelev is still around, you can't throw the blood, because once the meat becomes Tamei, it's no good anymore. However, if the blood was thrown, Hurtza will be acceptable. Okay, Nitmua Balim Bemet, Lo Yizrok, if the Balim became uh, Tamei in the middle, 
then you can't throw the blood. In that case, since the people are Tamei, it will not be accepted. Since by the time the Korban was offered and finished, the people were Tamei already, it will not be acceptable in that case. So that would be, I would say that Rav is really saying the Mishnah here is following Rabbi Yoshua. Basically, it doesn't make that much of a difference. It's the same outcome, basically, that, uh, that Rabbi Yoshua says that, that really if the meat becomes Tamei, you shouldn't throw the blood, but if you did, it's okay. Right? Like what Rabbi Natan was saying before, that uh, really it's, it's okay if the meat became Tamei, but the Avadi will still get credit for it, even though he won't be able to eat it, unless the Ba'alim became Tamei. Now, why does it mention a Nazir here? So Rashi says it's Nazir because since the Nazir has to, uh, the Shlamim has to be cooked and they put the hair of the Nazir underneath and they have to do the, the waving of the Nazir, uh, of the body of the Shlamim, all of this process is necessary for the mitzvah. You won't be able to do the mitzvah without the meat being Tahor. Tosafot says, no, it's a typo, it shouldn't be in there. And really, you know, the, the shlab, yeah, really the Nazir is not an exception. Only Pesach is an exception where you need the meat to be ta- tahor in order to complete the mitzvah. Okay, Bezat Hashem, we will get to here.